0: It's Friday, May the 13th, 2016, and you're listening to a special Stem Seeds podcast. Yesterday, on Thursday, the 12th of May, we had an opportunity at our school to have a very special video conference as part of a special morning. And you're about to hear his most of his presentation. I forgot to... Hit the record button uh, early. Actually, I forgot to log in to my Zoom account before I connected, and I had things set up where you can join without logging in. So I ended up just recording this on my iPhone as we were video conferencing. But you're going to hear from Vinny Vrotney, who is the Director of Technology at the Kincaid School down in Houston. I have known Vinny for probably about five years or so, and he is a very innovative person, I think, I mean I, I got to know him first through Twitter and then I think through a K-12 online presentation. And then a few years ago, we were able to do some workshops together about Google Apps uh, for educational collaborators up in the Chicago area. And uh, probably our best time of bonding was when we were having a tornado uh, down here, tornado warning down here in Oklahoma. And I got stuck in the airport, and uh, he bailed me out and let me stay with with his family. So anyway, I was attending about two weeks ago the technology director meeting for the ISAS, which is the uh, Independent School Association of the Southwest that our school is a part of, and Vinny was part of a three-person panel talking about makerspaces and STEM education and how those things kind of fit together in the school of the 21st century. So at our school, Cassie School in Oklahoma City, we are taking a look at computer science and how we might be able to offer coding and computer science opportunities not only for our high school or upper division students, but also our middle school students and even lower division students, which um, have opportunities to take some computer literacy classes, but kind of thinking about making that pathway to computer science and coding more explicit and more robust. But today, as we talk about coding, it's appropriate to talk about STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math more broadly. And so I helped organize, along with our um, new director of academics, or I guess dean of academics, Josh Bottomley, a morning of conversations with a variety, not only of faculty and some staff from our college, but, or from our college, from our uh, school, but also, uh, yes, some college representatives. We had uh, computer science department representative from Rose State College here in Oklahoma City. And we also had uh, some folks from iThemes, which is a local, um, very successful internet company um, that sponsors a 501c3 nonprofit called The Div that is focused on helping students get opportunities to do coding. So you're going to hear two things. You're going to hear Vinny's presentation or most of his presentation from the video conference, and then you're going to hear about a five- to seven-minute recorded reflection uh, podcast, which uh, we recorded at the end of the day with some of our folks who uh, were still hanging around. So we probably had about 15 people over the course of uh, the morning and until 1 o'clock that were able to be a part of this conversation. So really, really excited to have had this conversation and to see where this is going. I um, had some good conversations with Eric Sappington, who's our 7th grade science teacher and was one of the, the participants who got to, got to say almost the entire uh, time yesterday. And anyway, I'm excited to share this. So we're going to post this um, first on our Cassidy STEM website, which is stem.cassidy, casad .org, And I'm going to also cross-post this to our STEM Seeds website. And that is a website that I have been building with Amy Leffelholtz for the past couple years to share STEM lesson ideas and resources. And so the last thing that I will say is that we are going to be hosting at Cassidy's t- School uh, the STEM Seeds Summer. Institute, which is the theme of mission to Mars, and that is going to take place in June this uh, this summer twenty sixteen um, in here in Oklahoma City. And it'll be June sixth through the ninth. So you can head on over to camp.stemseeds.org. And you can find the link to register on Eventbrite. It is only $30 if you are not a uh, teacher at Cassidy School. And I do not think you will find a higher quality and more affordable professional development opportunity anywhere in the country. And uh, we're very excited to be collaborating not only with Amy Luffaholtz but with my wife, Shelley Fryer, and... With, hopefully, uh, several other Oklahoma educators, we're still in the process of soliciting those folks who are going to be teaching different modules for that. So, without further ado, let's turn back the clock to yesterday on Thursday, May the 12th, 2016, as we heard Vinny Vrotney talking about computer science, makerspaces, and a vision for STEM education in schools. And then we'll wrap up with our reflection from several of our participants.
1: And so one of the things coming in um, in conversation with that school, with Quest and with the head of the school at the time, was ways to really um, enhance not only our technology but our science education as well. The math education wasn't really as much of an issue at Quest because as a gifted school we had many students who were many grade levels ahead of track. Of a normal track because of their designation, um, as, as gifted, um, so that was not, but really bringing in the technology science and some of the engineering. And so I planted a seed in it in my head's mind, um, early on, because one of the first things that we needed to do in the in the first year at Quest was we needed to replace our, um, uh, computer lab, um, the equipment, the hardware in our computer lab, which was shared by our students from, um, from the three-year-old program in through the eighth grade. And I said, you know, instead of just doing a simple one-to-one replacement, with the work that had been done uh, in the maker movement and, and really allowing students to begin to explore through Arduinos and through computer programming, which had disappeared from their Quest curriculum, um, it really gives us an opportunity to begin to rethink what we want to do and how we want to do it. In through the repurposing and re-reuse of that particular space. And so a few months later, he met with me and, and really liked the idea and began to, we began to put some, some meat behind that in that we created a curriculum that started with our fifth graders, our fifth through eighth graders that was somewhat skills building and we had three particular focus areas that we were working within. The areas were um, our general computer literacy and library literacies. We had to maintain that, but we compressed it into a single trimester for each of the, the students um, in fifth through eighth grade. We began to introduce a, a trimester of industrial design for our middle schoolers, as well as a semester or trimester of computer science. And we did it in the repurposing of the of of our space where we created a maker space to support those particular activities what was kind of unique about that is the fifth and sixth grade our curriculum was really focused on that skills building and introductory skills building of those particular skills we then began to in the sixth grade year begin to allow students to begin to explore passion-based projects and so in the later in the, in the about midway through the sixth grade year students were in a, were able to create a project grant to study the aspect and area within that overall um, set of trimesters the, the industrial design and engineering and the computer science to begin to solve problems. We were very purposeful within that grant writing in that we knew that these students were going to be leaving this K-8 school, going into their high school, and knowing the alumni that, that tracked through, these were students who were going to be looking and searching for studies. These are students who, in the university, may want to do some different things. So we wanted them to get the ability to write down their ideas and their thoughts um, within that particular um, experience. Within that particular grant, they needed to write what they wanted to study, um, why they wanted to study it, what a um, budget was, what materials they would need, what budget they would need, and most importantly, how they would be gauged upon success. And so we developed this curriculum. Um, in the seventh grade, we worked within it, but now the, the personal passion projects became Projects that we, we like to say that were focused on me because developmentally, as we know, seventh graders are all focused on themselves, but with an <laughs> eye towards the eighth grade that switching from me to we. And so that that eighth grade would really be a, a year where they would work interdisciplinary um, within that looking for a project outside of school or outside of themselves to begin to solve. This was also, we had a very strong service learning. Uh, Curriculum that the eighth graders took leadership positions. And so we began to implement and this took root in that particular program. So they were beginning to use their programming skills. They were beginning to use the skills that they had to making in order to support not only their passion-based project, but also their service learning projects at all. So, you know, we went through the planning. Um, We created a a space, it was a, a smaller space, um, as mo- many makerspaces uh, work within, we were working with a 650 square foot um, room um, that we were doing, but this really captured the attention of a number of our parents as well as other teachers and they really became up and excited. And once they saw students begin to develop some of these skills, the teachers in that particular, uh, at, at Quest, are, are very open um for many of the projects to accept alternative artifacts for demonstration of knowledge within their 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 curriculum and so once they saw some of the things that the students were doing um they had the opportunity to say hey do you mind if you know these two students go down to work on the laser cutter because they're creating uh, they wanted to create a topographical map um, in relief and they wanted to cut it on out so that they could assemble it and glue it uh, within that and this is for a history project we had the um, people who were working with the fine arts who want they wanted to create some props and some other things with the sewing machines and the other various tools that we had provided and the skills that we did and the real purpose behind this, in, in establishing this, in addition to building up our engineering and our science within the school, is working with gifted students. There were two things that we really wanted them to, or actually through that we wanted them to accomplish. We recognized that students were becoming incredibly scheduled with all of their time. And it's scheduled outside of school as well as inside of school. And one of the things that that students were losing is they were losing a time just to be, um, to ponder, to explore, to just kind of pursue things that they wanted to do. The second thing, especially within the gifted population, although I would argue that it's really anywhere, is that students oftentimes have just tremendous ideas in their head. Um, but what they're lacking nowadays, because they've grown up with screens and and technology, they, they're really great behind a two dimensional pane of glass in front of them and doing the design. But actually taking those ideas and taking them out, and as as this has kind of evolved out of their head through their heart and into their hands to develop that particular. Aspect and, and actually be able to build that and tactilely feel it um, was sometimes very difficult for the students to begin to do and so we wanted to provide them opportunities to go ahead and to really have that building experience in this in this scheduled unscheduled time that was really more free and unscheduled that they could choose their pacing and the, the work that they were doing. The last thing that would Especially again with the gifted population, although I'm seeing it moving it down to Kincaid here, is that we wanted students to not be paralyzed by their perfection. You know, especially with the gifted student, they really are oftentimes paralyzed because it's not going to be perfect and we wanted them to get into that cycle of um, being able to fail forward to, you know, have things that don't quite work out that way to, to break down those barriers so that they would not be paralyzed and they would do those iterations and, you know, come up with a prototype and you know, go through that design process. And we use design thinking as one of the avenues to to work within that, which also dovetailed into our service learning curriculum as well as our engineering curriculum, so that you know, they would be able to grow and they would not be held back. And you know, if I take a look, this this program now has been in place for three and a half years uh, at Quest, and the, the the first group of students who started it in fifth grade are now graduating. Um, and to see the project, I still am in touch with the teacher and, and a number of the students, but to see some of the projects that they've done. Um, we've got I've got a pair of students who um, design, has, have designed um, an app for iPhone as well as Android that will enable them to um, display and curate clean Minecraft videos. Um, to the point that they were um, highlighted at the Illinois State Technology Conference by the keynote and, and pointed on out. And they actually got to present their particular project. We've had uh, eighth grade girls who have developed uh, their dances or dress for the dance That allowed them to literally light up using uh, the Arduino Lily pads and sound sensors in their dresses that were tied to conductive thread and LEDs, so that their dress would light up in patterns based upon the music that was being played. Um, You know, we've we've had just just this great wealth of of student exploration um, to really begin to do that to do a lot of the various different things. Since so I've come down to Kincaid, Kincaid was in a very interesting position when I got here. Uh, we had a small area we still remains in our high school. We have a small area um, that we've begun to have and put some of the various different tools. But, you know, Kincaid, like many schools, um, and especially our high school is very, uh, spaces in a premium. And so we've got a tiny space that someday if we ever expand our high school, um, we will have the opportunity to grow that particular Um, Item on out Um, in our middle school. We when I came that particular September, I've been in contact with our middle school uh, coordinator and we created a flexible classroom to begin to um, incorporate a number of these ideas and these types of experiences into our sixth and seventh grade technology curriculum. The results have been really, really outstanding. We've had it at, we to add an eighth grade elective um, for this upcoming year to meet the demand um, that we are experiencing um, at this particular point in time. So we're really, really excited. What's also really exciting is that last year we worked with our lower school teachers. And again, similar to Quest, we had an opportunity that our lower school computer lab, which was a traditional computer lab with heavy desks, Desktop computers all facing towards a teacher station and a projector up to the front. We worked with the I worked with faculty and administration, as well as my lower school coordinator, um, and developed an idea. And this fall, we opened up what we're now calling the launch pad. So we've removed all of the heavy technology, the heavy furniture. We've moved in adaptive furniture. We've moved from desktop computers to having a couple desktop computers to do some of the higher end things that we want to do, some of the video editing, the audio editing that we'll want to do. We actually created a studio um, in that particular space. Now, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because one of the other projects that I was running in parallel here at Kincaid was the idea of developing, and I developed a K-12 um, vision for technology in learning. And, and from that, there were three main areas that we identified that we wanted to focus our attention on, the first of which being general literacies. Can students tell a compelling narrative um, using the the the, the the tool. Um, these would include papers and, and text-based writing. Um, this would include the use of graphs and spreadsheets. This would include all of those traditional skills: the, the ability to edit video, the ability to edit imagery, uh, pictures, the ability to do audio and do audio mixing. All of those traditional literacy sets of skills. The second aspect that we're judging ourselves in this technology vision that we want our students to be comfortable with is that we want them to be comfortable in with citizenship. So we want them to curate. We want them to be out sharing the information that they're building these compelling narratives that they're putting together. And the third area is really focused around computer science, engineer design and fabrication. And so this lower school space allowed us to really begin to expand. And as part of the work that we did with our lower school administration teachers and my our coordinator, we identified four areas for our pre-K through fourth graders that we wanted them to have experiences. So we built hooks into the current curricula that was being studied across the way. One of the things our lower school has uh invested a lot of time and energy in the workshop model, both for mathematics as well as reading. So coming in with a technology and making workshop was very consistent with the work that we were doing. Um, The four areas, and I'm going to hope that I remember all four areas in our lower school, but we wanted students to be able to uh, produce, Um, again, a lot of um, writing, a lot of podcasting, a lot of video editing um, at a very entry level uh, for those particular students we wanted them to be able to code um, so we wanted them to inter- introduce them to computational thinking we want them to be able to make so that they can take things apart do some reverse engineering but also begin to build and construct within those particular spaces and the last area of focus is wearables which we haven't done necessarily the best job in year one, but you know, we were introducing a lot of new things. So this space that we have is very fluid, very flexible, um, really built around the mobile technologies, uh, iPads, um, some tops, a couple desktops to do some of the heavier duty things that we want. And where we're what we're also now planning in the midst of planning is opening up uh, in a new construction that we have. We have a new second floor in our middle school which is I'm going to have a thousand square foot maker space. So again, we've been spending a lot of time this winter working with beginning to work with middle school faculty so that they understand what the capabilities of this particular space are going to be, but also where some hooks are might be for their curriculum to come in to utilize these particular spaces to, again, fill in those three different levels and aspects of our overall technology and learning plans. So we're really, really excited about everything that we're offering. You know, we're, in, it, alongside of all of this, we're, we're building out a robotics program um, from our middle school on in through our high school. And again, providing students several on-ramps, but also providing them opportunities to just explore. So at Kincaid, we have a winter term Um, In our winter term, I have offered the last two years a course which has been really, really successful and students come up to me almost daily or at least weekly to stop to say it was one of the um, most liberating experiences that they had. Um, I offer a course called The Art of Tinkering and in that three week course, again, I'm teaching them some basic skills around some coding and around some engineering and design, but the purpose of that particular course is to allow them to explore some of these various different tools. And, and the challenge that I ask them to solve is to bring in an old toy that may be sitting unused at this particular point in time and somehow try to repurpose that particular tool um, and that toy into something that's a little bit, you know, does something a little bit differently and just kind of rethink that. And, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for students, again, to slow down. Um, to begin to explore, to be curious, to kind of have a, a space to play, um, which I, I find and feel is very, very important, um, but something that we have to give them permission and really push them. You know, it, as we take a look at the things that, we, that I've learned through this is that by the time the students get into middle school, they've learned to play the game of school really well. Um, they're afraid to take chances. They're afraid to take... Um, step out of their comfort zone, oftentimes because they're fearful of the grade that they're going to receive. They're, they're constantly looking for the feedback: "Is this what you want? Is this what? Um, is this good enough? Is this good enough?" As opposed to really being comfortable with their own learning, with the, their own journey, their own path, and, and, and really beginning to cooperate and collaborate with others. Um, you know, one of the things I would like to always tell them is that I'm happiest when they bring a problem to me that I have absolutely no idea what the answer is but we can sit down and begin to brainstorm and begin to dive into that particular aspect so that's a little bit about my background um, I don't know if you all have any questions or you know with this
0: thank you so much let, let, let's open it up Heather go ahead
2: oh, I'm so excited that's exactly what I've been thinking about for our lower school Ms something that was more like a play field instead of a... I teach religion in the same room, so it's kind of got to have a lot of... um, We do a lot of drama and and, and then somewhere to put their Bible and things. So um, it's a lot of thought thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I'd love to come down and see that. And uh, how much time do they... like? Do they have a formal computer class? Like... A special computer class? What's the time frame
1: for that? So so I'm going to give the answer two different ways um, because they they vary differently. At Quest, um, in the fifth grade, they did have a formal computer time that we kind of co-opted and and reconfigured. Um, We created the time and space in our middle school to allow them to have that space so... Um, at Quest, students were required to take two languages, uh, both French and Chinese, and so they had eight periods of instruction there. We pulled one of those periods. Um, we had their library period, which was scheduled, and so that was a once a week over the entire the year, so we um, created that within the trimester so that we did, and we actually pulled and a create and found another period, so it was three different um, periods that we did, and because of the way that we pulled it, what was really fun, challenging on a teacher's aspect, but it just absolutely, I think the best best experience that we had, we had one of the groupings and one of the sections based upon their math and science sectioning, and so we had one time where you had the kids who were real high flyers in math. One section, and then you'd have this section with the students who were not necessarily flying as high. Um, we had them once based upon their language, um, their humanities um, tracking that they had, and then we had them once um, by gender because that was we were opposite of a very popular um, voice. Program and so the music teacher would meet with the boys one day and the girls one day. So we met with the opposite gender. So we had them in all three different groupings, which meant that, you know, you never had the same group of kids. So it really as an instructor really broke down the, that need to do instructor led because you, know, you may have someone in the first three sections of the week and then. Thursday and Friday. So it was never the same groupings of kids in the class. And so you no one could go in lockstep. Here at Kincaid, within our lower school, um, we utilize um, the technology period. We have had a scheduled technology period once a week, 45 minutes. We utilize that um, in skills building, but we've done a lot of work and, and through a lot of meetings to find those hooks to bring either bring the teachers into the space and, and, and work together collaboratively um, in times in addition to that um, space, or we've developed mini maker carts that we then send out to the classrooms that enable them to continue with that work, the work students are doing in the classrooms and not necessarily in the space, because we don't want students to get into the mindset that it can only occur in this one particular space that we do this. Um, so that it's been very intentional, very purposeful, a lot of planning that's gone on into it, but we've been re- really, really pleased with what we've gotten out of it. Thank you.
0: From the panel that we did, when the, oh, go ahead, Glenn.
3: Uh, I wanted to ask, what devices and machines are you going to have in the thousand
1: square foot makerspace?
0: How are you outfitting your makerspace?
1: Well, so, you know, they, everyone wants to jump to that question r- <laughs> rather than asking the, the most important question.
0: Hang on a second. We we lost we lost just a little bit. We're having a little bit of interruption. So we lost your. What was the most important
1: question? Uh, The most important question is not what tools do you have, but what tools do you need in order to support the educational goals that you set for the students in that particular space? So. In, at Quest, you know, we we um, we were purposeful in terms of yes, we got a laser cutter. It is the workhorse, um, and it is something that students use. Of course, we got the three D printer because that's the sizzle that sells the program. It's something that everyone is really really interested in. It is fascinating. It is very important. But to me, it's not what's most important. We got a lot of hand tools. One of the things that we did not plan for that we were out on Black Friday, the three teachers and I, because it was limit one, was we did not anticipate sewing being as big with fifth through eighth graders, both boys and girls. And so we were out at Joe, I think it was uh, Joanne Fabrics, purchasing sewing machines that were on Black Friday sales, limit one per person. We met at 530 so we could get in line and, and purchase them to be able to meet that particular demand. Um, So we did that. So at at Kincaid, in our lower school, yes, we have a 3D printer. We don't do any 3D design in our lower school. Again, print some demonstrations. We do have sewing machines. We have a lot of cardboard. We have a lot of hand tools, electric scissors, um, we have uh, squishy circuits. We've got a, a, a lot of the, the Osmos and the Bebots in our lower school. In the middle school, we, we increase the numbers of tools. We do have a, a curricular skills building unit built around 3D design. We do have some 3D printers. In the new space, we will have laser cutters. And, again, we're playing on a lot of the hand tools and sewing machines. But as we get into the high school the needs and designs are, are greater, so we do have a small CNC machine. We do have more and more multiple 3D printers. We have a laser cutter. So it really – but, again, that's meeting the goals that we have for our program and curriculum, and we try to align and match those. Thank you. And I would like
2: to add we need
1: a laser cutter. Yes, we do. Just saying.
2: It's yeah. very yeah. Well, and that was something
0: okay. they talked about uh, at our uh, ISA, ISAST was – you know, 3D printing, like, yeah, like how you said about this, it's the sizzle that sells, but the workhorse is the laser cutter because you can produce so much more quickly and, and students, you know, as far as thinking about classes and lots of students. Vinny, I don't know if you, I think you might have talked about this at that panel, um, the, how the space makes a difference, you know, when students come into a space, the expectations that they have of the classroom versus the makerspace. I don't know, were you talking about that during the panel or was that somebody
1: else? I mean, that, I, I think that I may have touched upon it and it wasn't as direct, but it is one of the things that is really important is, you know, students have gotten used to classrooms um, and the, how classrooms are set up. And, you know, it, it's going back to a lot of the Reggio Emilio um, about the third teacher and, and, and the space informs what the possibilities are. And so one of the things that's really important, number one, it, it frustrates me dealing and working with other schools because um, I, I went into a, a K-3 school in, in the East and, you know, I was talking to their head of school and one of their goals was that they, you know, that she was frustrated because they didn't have a makerspace. space. Now, again, this is a K-3 school. And as I walked around the school and observed, you know, they had in the hallway, they had in their entryway, they had a big area with building blocks, and, and kids were walking on in, or siblings, you know, were just waiting for, and parents were chatting. Students were building structures and towers, in on the in this particular space. And so I'd go into classrooms. Classrooms were very center space, and there was a recycled art center, and you know, students would be building and, and doing all these things at times within the curriculum. And at the end of the day, I said to the to the head of school that you know. You you have maker spaces. You know, your school, in total, in terms of the opportunities and the experiences that you have, is a makerspace. Now, what you are are maybe missing is that you're missing a maker commons. You're missing a space with someone who can help guide teachers and students in with what's possible with some of the bigger tools that may be a little bit more expensive um, in a space that may have some opportunities for some uh, green, screen, green screen space to allow students to produce videos and, and some other higher end pieces or some production studios like we've built in our lower school that will allow students to do audio recording in a more professional um, recording studio type environment with it. it's got sound proofing so that they can get some good quality sound with good quality microphones to do the narrations on their projects um, within there so you, you don't want to get hung up on space but you also want to think of and be intentional about the spaces that you do offer having flexible fluid furniture that students create their work opportunities and so you know both here in the, our middle school and the inn more so than our lower school um, at Quest, you know we had flexible fluid furniture, and you know it would I would start the day with the furniture and all the tables off to the side, and when students came in, they constructed the space that best fit their needs for that their determined needs for that particular day. And it was really, really helpful. if a student needed to work and and knew that they needed to do some concentrated private work, they could move a table or a desk and chairs off into a corner and kind of isolate themselves so that they could really hunker down and focus in on what they were doing. Um, You know, if students needed to have some social learning opportunities and, you know, be sharing and working on projects simultaneously, they could set that on up. And again, as mentor and guide and coach, you could then coach students in terms of having them explore different types of spaces to work with them. I think that that's what you were heading towards, Wes, with the question.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What other questions do you all have for Vinny?
2: We wanted to know, um, with their library digital literacies class, um, that you have one trimester in fifth through eighth grade, is that a separate course or is that integrated with another core course such as history, English, science?
1: So at, 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 the, 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 at Quest, um, it was integrated in alternate years. So they, they did have a, a pullout course within that trimester. It had been a, a period long uh, throughout the course of the year. Um, And we moved it into a trimester. and We moved it to the appropriate trimester. Again, we wanted to to work within the the, the confines of the current curriculum. And so at Quest, seventh and eighth graders in alternate years would either work and create a history fair project, and then in the alternative year, they would do a science fair project. And so the the library was really centered around research um, and research techniques to support That history fair project or the science fair project depending on which year it was in the sixth grade year they in order to get them seated with that research was really that research curriculum and focus they would do a mini history fair project with the sixth graders in the spring once the science fair and the history fair um curricula was finished in the seventh and eighth grade so we did tie it so that the librarian did have a pullout period to work individually with students um, three times a week during the, the run-up to, But she also uh, looped into either the science classes if it was a science fair year or the history classes um, if it was a history fair year to do some work with the students in their curriculum. So it was kind of a hybrid model. Thank you. There's a lot of collaboration well, with, with, with research and
2: well, with any of these skills, relevance, and collaboration is essential, because if you teach any of these in isolation, nothing is
1: retained. Yeah, it doesn't, nothing works. Mm -hmm. And and the world's interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. You know, when we we work with our, our robotics, right, and working with our first robotic, you know, we have budgets that we need to maintain and keep. We, you know, have marketing that we need to do, which requires us to write and be able to tell our story and communicate, we've got presentations That we have to do. It's, yes, we have to build the robot and it has to be able to do all of the various different tasks, but we also have all these other things that we need to incorporate and no matter, and and the sets of skills that are important, that I feel are important for students moving forward is to be able to work within there. One of the things that I read, uh, a number of years ago, about three years ago in one of my, my wife's a, a music teacher. And she's currently teaching K to five, which is her, her love. I mean, she loves the elementary age, but in one of the uh, research journals that she was reading in, and it really clicked for me, especially in our lower grades, our elementary, or lower school and our middle school and even in our upper school, when a student learns a skill at an advanced beginner stage, so they've gotten through that initial hurdle It begins to rewire the brain in a way that they now are able to see the world through this newly acquired lens. And so one of the hopes that I have in this technology vision here at Kincaid, as well as everything that I've done leading up to this particular period, is I want our students to have intentional experiences to expose them to to pieces and, and with the hope that they get to that advanced beginner stage. So even if they're an artist and they're never going to, you know, do coding in their lives, I want them to at least have an experience with computational thinking and coding at that advanced beginner level so that they now have this new way that they can utilize at some point in time that lens to view the world and to interpret their art. Um, in that particular way. In the same way that I would love the athlete to have an artist lens in which to be able to view the world. And I think that that's really one of the goals that I'm trying to bring is to provide the opportunities for engineering, computational theory, thinking, design, to allow students to get to that advanced beginner stage so that they can really then take those tools with them beyond. Also, last Year there was a, a really uh, great article in the Harvard Business Review. It talks about uh, human computer interaction and the capabilities and you know what's what folks are going to be able to, to work with uh, moving forward and you know what roles they may take and you know again exposure to, to what the technologies can do I think is really important. Awesome.
0: Other questions you guys would like to ask, Josh? Go ahead. We've got a couple questions about your upper division.
1: Uh, yes sir. I'd like to, I'm interested in what courses you offer in computer science. I'm interested in what courses you offer that are interdisciplinary. And I'm also interested in any courses you offer that are entrepreneurial and that partner with any local companies, if any. And also how often do they meet? Okay, so uh, the, we're going to do the last one first. Go for it. We moved to a modified block schedule, so classes meet um, in three 45 minute Blocks, and then 180-minute meeting times. In terms of what we're currently offering, right now we're offering four semester-long computer science courses. Um, those rotate on an every-other-year basis. So it's an uh, app programming, it's robotics, um, it's an introduction to Python, and fourth course that I can't remember. And then we're currently offering the AP Computer Science um, we have a really wonderful problem here at Kincaid in that um, we now have students who have finished our program after their sophomore year, and they're looking for more. And So at this particular point in time, we're looking for both short-term and long-term solutions. So we think that we found uh, 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 we're investigating a couple short-term solutions for that those 10 students for next year uh, to do, but we're also looking to expand our coursework. Beyond next year, we've got the immediate needs. So this is an absolutely wonderful problem, and and with the work that we're doing in our lower and middle school, we anticipate and expect that this problem is not going to go away. It's going to get worse. Um, now, in terms of your other questions, in terms of the interdisciplinary, um, that's a here. Um, we really don't offer any interdisciplinary courses, um, but that is on the horizon, and. In terms of the entrepreneurial courses, again, that's my hope, is that with the expansion of this program, that's an area that we investigate. Um, it is an area that is identified as a known growth area. Uh, for us, we're currently not offering anything, but it is in with all of these spaces and all these opportunities, it is a direction that we will need to be going. So I wish I had better answers for you right now. No, that's, that's great.
0: Um, I've got a question as far as just thinking about getting started. One of the things our headmaster had said is, you know, uh, wanting to maybe look at the middle division and lower division and things that would grow, grow, and, and students matriculate. Not just thinking about building a big makerspace at upper division and starting at that level. But what specific advice would you give us? Because we have, we're really big into science Olympiad here already. Um, we don't do a ro- we don't do a robotics um, program, but there is that possibility. Uh, you know, we, we could offer specific courses. We were talking earlier, actually, before we connected with you about that need for kids to have time to, to build and make and to iterate and to, to go through a failure, not just the failure process, but then the figuring it out, you know, and, and working on it. So any advice and thoughts that you have, especially as we think about, you know, lower and middle? You've, you've given us a ton, and I know the writing of that shared vision for digital literacy and, and, and computer li- uh, literacy fit in. But uh, any other advice, thoughts along those lines?
1: Yeah, it, well, the fact that you're, ha- that you're engaging in these conversations is, is important because to me and, you know, one of the things that if you have passionate people – who develop interesting programs, the space will follow. I mean, it, it's one of the design pieces that we learned at, at one, it, it was a building project. You know, if you can have the, the greatest spaces in the world, but if you don't have a program and you don't have the, the passionate people to drive that, um, then you expended a lot of money and it thinks it empty. On the the flip side, if you don't have the space, but you've got passionate people and you've got an engaging program, it doesn't really matter what the space is. Right? There are many programs around around that don't have the space and people wait for the space and allow the space to drive and dictate. And so to me, the advice would be to, you know, cultivate and curate your, your passionate individuals who want to explore these particular areas. Allow them to develop and create wonderful experiences and opportunities. And if you're doing Science Olympiad, it's a great opportunity. I mean, I was involved at the Illinois State Level um, as well as the regional level, plus our team for 18 years. It's a it's a tremendous program um, that provides great opportunities for students. Um, But just kind of pick and begin to 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 create contacts and connections, and you know then we'll kind of follow within there. And and it's great that you're really taking a look at this from a kindergarten through 12 perspective and and really looking at the lower grades and moving it on up. I think that's one of the things I'm really proud of here at Kincaid is that we really have invested the time in that JK through four. Many schools come in, they want to drop this into either a high school where oftentimes the mindset for students is too late or they look at it as a middle school, high school problem and they're really not taking the fact that you're taking a look at this Really from a K through 8 perspective first and then allowing that to grow into the high school is very encouraging.
0: Any other questions y'all want to pose to Vinny? Okay. Well, thank you so much. Can y'all give, give Vinny a thank hand? You thank Vinnie. you. Yeah. Awesome. Alright. We definitely appreciate your time. And, uh, um, oh, I might be in touch to, to follow up a little bit, but just, just really great. Awesome to connect. Great. Right. So. Well,
1: and again, uh, Wes knows how to get a hold of me. It's fairly easy. So if you do have any follow up, I'm more than willing to get back to you in a reasonable amount of time. So.
0: One one last thought, last question. From your perspective as a technology director, with staffing and thinking about coaching, what, any thoughts there in terms of the role that your staff plays and the role that instructional coaches versus you know help desk uh, level uh, technology fits into all this?
1: Sure. Um, well, again, I've been blessed with having a great organizational structure here, and so I've actually got within our technology department, I've got three functional work groups. I've got my network operation, which is my help desk, my heart, my network manager, systems admin, um, hardware support. Um, They all work together. A second group that I have are my communications team. This is my database manager who allows us to tie all of our data flow uh, from all of our various data buckets, as well as um, my website manager who also helps facilitate that primarily in connection with our advancement group. Um, More so, but with all the other entities, the two of them working within there. And then what we have set up is we have three divisionally based uh, coordinators. Um, Our lower and middle school is innovation coordinators. Our high school is still technology coordinator. They do provide some tier one support for each of the divisions, but they're also – the, the, that role is shifting for all of them to provide more of that coaching. And we've seen some real great gains um, in that shift that we've allowed them to kind of grow within that particular space. All right.
0: Sorry to throw that last question, but I just well, no worries. We had you on the line. So, all right. Well, thanks Thank so you. much. Have an awesome day and we'll be in touch. You as well. All right. You. Bye-bye.
1: You. Enjoy the rest of your school year.
0: <laughs> That's right. Hi. Today is May the 12th, 2016. This is Wes Fryer and we're here at Cassidy School. And we have had an invigorating morning talking about the future of not only computer science, but also STEM education. And we have invited different members of our community as well as some folks from outside our community to come together. Um, we heard, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably just heard Vinnie Vrotney from the Kincaid School talk a little bit about computer science and makerspace. And so our task here at the end of the day was just to really think about takeaways. What are some of the big ideas? We walked away from. Uh, what are some of the pieces of advice that we would offer up to our community to think about? Uh, where you know, where do we go from here, and what is the vision for where we go? Because that's part of of what we've been talking about. Is what what does this look like? You know, not just in what we're doing today, but in what we can do tomorrow.
3: All right. One of the one of the things I looked at today, and one of the takeaways that I. Uh, Observed is that I think it's very important to have a multidisciplinary approach uh, to any kind of STEM program, uh, integrating any kind of hands-on that you can into the program as early as you possibly can allows the student to make uh, a definite connection between the theoretical and a practical application. I think one of the challenges of software is that it is not as tangible as some other technologies that are out there. So I think there is a challenge to be able to make that relevant to the students, especially the younger students as they progress to see how important software is and how uh, it permeates, you know, just about every technology that we have. Uh the other thing I think that's important is to try to break down as many uh stovepipes as we possibly can. Uh, from the various disciplines, not having just the math faculty looking at math issues or physics faculty looking at physics issues, but seeing how that uh, is related across the organization, and especially how that's related as far as the students' basic understanding of kind of the physical world uh, that's around them. So. Those are just just a few thoughts, and I think uh, the other thing is uh, that I have become a little bit more aware of is the impact of STEAM uh, versus STEM and the impact that art has uh, in technology and how technology can support art. I'm thinking about uh, ways that students learn that I personally um, don't learn that way. Um, the idea of build and ship is interesting to me. I tend to relate to things on a very intellectual level, um, so I'm trying to trying to think about how to build things. Um, what are some hands on things I can get students to do? And the digital citizenship is uh, a big component um, that I think we need to think seriously and be intentional about integrating. Um, as we see various things come up in the news, such as ethical hacking. Um, or whether or not people should have access to the the big data that's out there right now
0: so it's uh, it's it's very uh, apparent to me today that we need more of these conversations and we need more passionate people like who were in this room and on the video today uh, to be championing this I, I think it's still a liability for our kids to not equip them with with um, The tools, the thinking, the approaches to, uh, to make a difference in the, in the world through technology in particular. And so uh, it's, it's a liability for them, but I think it's a responsibility for us. So the more conversations like this happen because I think these, these conversations that lead to action are what's going to make a huge difference down the road for our kids. And that's the kind of future that I want to be a part of. One of the things that stood out the most to me were conversations about time and carving out both permission and and the space to create and to iterate and to tinker. And we heard Vinny talk about this, That and we know this. We're very programmed today. We're very busy. Our kids are, you know, full of, of activities. And... By the time students get to middle school and high school, they, they know the game of school and so it can become very transactional and, and the idea of risk taking, we heard that multiple times. I, I heard Corey talk about, uh, Matt, you know, ship, you know, the value of putting stuff out there and creating and take, and being able to take risks. So, I would love us as we have this conversation and we think about actions. What do we do to really look at our schedules and think about are there ways we can carve out spaces not only for our students but for our our teachers as well to be able to have some space and time to create, to build, to make, to tinker, um, to to be able to follow through on a process where it's not just okay we got to go on to chap- next chapter you know but we really have some some space to do that so. I don't know exactly what that looks like. It's going to be different for different levels. You know, maybe that involves some after-school stuff, some club time stuff, but maybe it, it also involves something bigger, you know, in the schedule. So anyway, that was just something that we were talking about even before we video conference with Vinny, and that resonated with me.
2: My takeaway for today was that it's not necessarily as important of what we teach content-wise, but that we give our children the skills necessary to be successful in whatever environment it looks like in the next 15, 20 years, because the programming languages that we might find essential to teach today may be obsolete in the next century, next decade, and so we need to teach them to learn, to advance, to grow, to teach themselves, to be self-instructors. All right. Well, thanks for listening.
0: Uh, we hope that you'll uh, share feedback and your own journey of trying to figure out the future of not only just STEM and computer science, but thinking about our schools. Right? Thinking about how, in this technologically immersed world, uh, media-filled world, you know, how how are we taking advantage of opportunities that we have with these powerful devices that we wouldn't have dreamed of? We had discussions today about room-sized computers and table-sized computers and hand-sized computers. I mean, the accessibility that we have to these, you know, should have an impact on what we do, and we should be doing it thoughtfully and purposefully. So um, you'll find more resources like this on stemseeds.org. If you'd like to come to Cassidy School in June this summer, we're going to be having a four-day STEM institute that you can learn about on camp.stemseeds.org. And we hope to just continue this conversation because... This isn't our last meeting. We're going to continue thinking about these t- issues and topics um, and also figuring out what we do because it's going to look different for different grade levels and content areas. But as we, sh- as we share our ideas, I know we're going to be inspired by each other. So thanks for listening.